This is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings and all things Chicago Blackhawks. With your hosts, Jordan Linscott, David Barnhouse, Nick LePage, and Tim Stampanato. This is the Stickblade Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. It is your place for all things Detroit Red Wings, all things Chicago Blackhawks, and news around the NHL. On tonight's show, we're going to be a little bit late. The preseason is underway, and we're a couple of games into it now, a couple of games left, and then we're on to the regular season. I'm your host for tonight, Jordan Lynn Scott, and I'm going to be joined by my co-host, Tim Stompanato. Nick will be with us shortly, and David's out for the week, but you know what? You got us two for right now. Um... Like I said, it's the preseason right now. The regular season is going to be on our way in about a week or so. That's when we're really going to start seeing all of these players who've been developing for the past year, these games that they've been getting underneath their reps for the, you know, the past couple months, whether it be overseas, uh, the preseason itself, training camp. Those players are finally going to get the chance to make it to the NHL. Um, like I said, I'm your host for tonight, Jordan Linscott. My co-host, Tim Stampanato. Uh, Tim, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. How could I be better? The, the Sox are in the playoffs. Uh, Justin Fields won us a game for the bears uh, and the Hawks beat the Red Wings tonight. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. This is a good night. Now we just need the bulls to get back into full swing. How are you doing? I am doing good. I mean, even though the wings lost tonight, you know what? It was still a good game. It was a good what game. was it? Six, four was final score. Yeah. Seven, All... four. If you count the shootout. Yeah. If you count the shoot, you know what? I, I hope they keep the shootouts for I, preseasons moving forward. I, love like, it. I get it for the regular season. You're not going to have it, no, but God, for no. preseasons, why not? Like it well, especially it's a little something for the fans. Like, uh, I don't know. And it's good practice. Frankly, uh, it's a great way to practice the shootout in a legitimate situation. Uh, I don't know. I, I thought it was really cool. I've been a big fan of that so far. I don't know if the players really care. I, you got to assume they at least appreciate being able to practice something like that, but what are you going to do? Like, that's the thing. Like, the shootout gives those players practice against other NHL goaltenders. Goal, like, right. That's not your goaltender in, like, a low-risk situation. So, like, I, I hope it sticks around moving forward. Yeah. Like, I think it was Ken Dan- – It was I think it was either Ken Daniels or Mercury Redmond on our broadcast, and it was basically saying they didn't understand why they were doing it. But, you know, it's a, it's a show for the fan at the end of the day, and yeah. it takes, like, what, 10 minutes? It's nothing, and it's not – like it's strenuous on the players. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I see no reason not to do it. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, and again, you don't get to practice the shootout a lot, especially if you're a goalie. Uh, I think getting those reps against like another team's top players is really good to have. So, Obviously, the preseason is we're about halfway through the preseason. We've got the rest of this week. And then next week is when we really start seeing games. I got to ask first, um, the Hawks, you guys have had a couple players who we really haven't seen almost for a year at this point back with the club. I mean, you guys have had Kirby Doc back. You've yep. had Jonathan Taves back. Yep. Um, Mark andre Fleury was playing tonight versus the Wings. Like, this was your guys's like. I don't want to say like revitalization, but it kind of was for those guys that you think are going to be mainstays for the club this year. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, first off, I just got to say the fact that Taze has been in most of the days of practice and has played three out of the four preseason games is wild to me. It, the concept that he hasn't played since like 2020 in the bubble and then he goes the entire last season, not knowing if he'll ever play again. And here he is like in full swing, you know, are there times that he looks like he's a step behind? Yeah, of course. He's still getting his endurance back. He's still, you know, he's got a ways to go, but the fact that he's done three out of these four games and looks like good, it looks not, he's not gassed. He's not, you know, absolutely shot. Uh, and he's contributing at all, all different facets of the game. I, you gotta be excited for Taze about this. 
And you're right. You know, we got Kirby Doc back. Yeah, we got him back at the end of the year, but he was really rushed back a little too soon with our playoff dreams. You know, now his wrist is 100% and he's starting to look special again. Like, I know people got a little worried about him in those last like 18 games or whatever he played last year, but he was nursing a broken wrist, which is, as we've talked about plenty of times, wrist is one of the weirdest injuries you can get because it could either heal quickly or affect you for the rest of your life. Nobody knows. Uh, I would say that this year he's been looking special again, like that potential, like legitimate number one center. Uh, I think Seth Jones, who's one of our, you know, our big off season acquisition besides Mark Andre Fleury uh, looked a lot more comfortable this game. Uh, this was really aside from doc Strom, Nylander guys that like are still competing for spots this was our roster tonight. And so we rolled out arguably what we're going to be seeing opening night for the most part. And that's exciting to start seeing those combinations together. So obviously you guys have the guys who you think are pretty much locks for the season. You know, you got Patrick Kane, you got Alex to You've got Dominic Kubelik. You've got um, Kirby doc. You've got Connor Murphy flurry. Those guys are all locks for this season. hundred percent. You've got some guys who you're pretty sure are locks, guys like Brandon Hagel, who you think is probably going to be sticking around. Just last year was a I can't imagine. I can't imagine he's not on the roster to start just because he blew everybody away last season. He plays the game exactly how Colleton wants everybody to play it. He signed that three-year deal, and he's, he's picked up right where he's left off. The guy had three assists tonight and like eight scoring chances uh, he doesn't stop. Like he's a, he is the embodiment of Chicago hockey and he's a dream to watch. He's going to be on the team. And, but part of what makes him on the team, and we're going to talk about this because you and I were talking about this a little bit before the show, he can play anywhere in the lineup. If we need him on the fourth line, he's playing the fourth line and he's the best damn fourth liner that you'll ever see, you know, third line, second line, first line, he will play wherever and that assures him a spot. Mm-hmm. Like, like the Swiss Army Knife players, those guys usually have a spot on the Andrew NHL Shaw. club that they're signed with. Now, you guys do have a couple of players who they're kind of in like that weird, maybe, maybe not slot. Yeah, like I, I like that. we talked about this before the show. I think Nealander's there, where I, I don't see him as a long term player in Chicago. You've got guys like Kurashev who you think are kind of there, but you need to see a little bit more. Here's where I'm at with Kurashev. Kurashev, at this point, you cannot argue. He is one of our best 12 forwards. Mm-hmm. Putting him in the lineup as one of the 12 forwards makes the team better than if somebody else were in that's not him. If he starts the season in Rockford, it's purely a business decision because he can pass through waivers untouched. You know, he, he can pass through, he's safe, he's on an ELC. That would be the only reason why he doesn't start the season with the Hawks, because there's other people that we'd have to send through waivers that could get acquired. I He's on the team this year. Uh, there is no way that we go the entire year without him on the team. I think he should start, meritocracy-wise, mm-hmm. he should start the season with the Hawks. Business-wise, I'm looking at this roster and if we don't make some trades, I think he's almost going to have to start in Rockford, which is incredibly unfair, but it is what it is. Nylander has not earned his spot. I was a big Nylander defender. Uh, I was a big Nylander supporter in the beginning, but him coming back after a year off where other guys stepped up, he has not shown anything that he deserves a spot over any of these other guys. I would take Brandon Hagel any day over the week. I would take Mackenzie Entwizel any day over the week over Nealander right now because he's shown me nothing. He's been invisible every game, and I'm not impressed. Like, we were also talking about that a little bit before the show, but yep. I got a chance to catch Chicago's last preseason game that he played in, and he really looked like what he had just see? mentally yeah. checked out. Like. <laughs> I watched him abandon. I think it was three rushes. He just looks really lethargic, just like could not be bothered. It... And look, uh, 
he didn't play for a year. Okay. He's shaken off the rust, but that's not acceptable. I mean, there's only so far that that excuse is going to go. And I want Nylander to be good. Uh, He's got all the talent and potential in the world, but sooner or later you stop betting on potential and you say, Gaudette has earned his place on the roster. You can't convince me that Nylander would be worth more than Gaudette at this point. Uh, Borgstrom is making it very difficult. He's active. He's engaged. He's playing the puck. Like you can't tell me that he's not, you know, that he's someone that Nylander can jump. Uh, I would take Kurashev any day of the week, uh, but I'm a big Kurashev fan. Uh, and then you've got guys like Jujar Kara and Carpenter that are fourth line and Twizel that are fourth line guys that hustle, that do their job. And that is more than you can say for Nylander. Uh, he's done nothing to show that he should be in the top nine and he can't be in the bottom. He can't be in the bottom. Like that it's a double-edged sword in my opinion. Right. Cause like guys like Nylander, you know, that when they're on their game, they can be like pretty decent offensively. But the problem is those guys, when they're not on their game, when they're not putting the effort, they're not the guys that you can plug on the fourth line. They're no God. No. You have to have size to be a fourth liner, or you have to just have like aggressive tendencies to be a fourth liner. Yes. He's not either of those. I, and he, because Hagel's not a big guy. Uh, Shaw was arguably not a big guy. That said, when you can hustle and you can win board battles and you're tenacious and you're relentless, like you can back check, you know, all of those little things that you do away from it's your play away from the puck when you're a fourth liner. That's the most important thing to me. And Nylander has nothing away from the puck that he doesn't get pucks. He doesn't, you know, get pucks back. He doesn't stop people with the puck. It's strictly when he gets the puck that he is good. He's almost the exact opposite of Zadorov, frankly. Uh, he's lost until he gets the puck. And we, you can't afford that. You, you don't have the puck a lot more than you've got the puck. Uh, look at Debrinket, you know, a pure goal scorer who the big knock on him was he's a goal scorer. That's it. When the goal scoring dried up two years ago, he said, well, I better reinvent my game. And he's on the penalty kill now. Like he's tenacious. He's, he's a heck of a four checker. I've been blown away by his defensive play. Uh, that's how you stay in this league is reinventing yourself and rounding out your game. And Nylander is the epitome of a one-dimensional player. It's the Alex Ovechkin effect, except for the fact that he's not Alex Ovechkin. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Even Alex Ovechkin. Ovechkin will fight. Ovechkin will, like, put you in the boards. Like, but you're right. It's that Ovechkin effect. Uh, Even Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane in his early years scoffed at the very idea of playing defense, but the, but it's not, he was never checked out. He was never not engaged. He was always hungry. He was always trying to get the puck. He was always looking for that next edge. Uh, there was never a time when he was on the ice that his brain was anywhere other than in that moment, zoned in, ready to reading every situation. That's what you have to be when you're that kind of player. Same with Ovechkin. There's never a time when Ovechkin was just like, eh, I'm just going to coat like, but even, and even if he did, it was now I'm going to kick in. All right, let's go. And he can. Nylander doesn't, there's no excuse to me for being on the ice and not engaged in what's going on. And that's what it feels like. Yeah. Well, especially when you know that you are in the tightest competition. Like if he was in last year, easy. Uh, there was no competition last year. He'd be in the top 12. He could have had a great year, but you know, going into this year that you are surrounded by NHL caliber players. You're surrounded by guys that proved themselves in the fire last year. And you're not even going to like try to hustle. Like That's outrageous. Well, it's not even just that. Like, yeah, you have that, but also you have guys who are coming back to this roster who are NHL caliber guys. Yeah. Who, 
they're pushing those other guys who were fighting last year out. And guess what? Those guys are continuing to show you're not like, yeah, you can always be a second liner who gets demoted to the third line. You can always be a third liner who gets demoted to the fourth line. Once you're not good enough or like the style of player to be a fourth liner and you're not good enough for the third line, you might as well pack your bags because you're gone. Yeah. I mean, there's no room for it. There's no room for Nylander on this team. And that's so crazy because of his skill potential. And like the fact that he did score like eight or nine goals for us the in 2019, 2020. Uh, but I just, there's, there's no one I'd want to get rid of on this roster to put in Nylander. Like, We'll touch on this in a second, but like that's kind of like a spot that the Red Wings are in, where like they've got players who are fighting for those spots, and they're they're telling the coaching staff, "Hey, I deserve to have this spot." Neilander is like the opposite of that; he's not telling the coaching staff, "Hey, I deserve the spot." No, uh, he's making the job easy for them. Like, frankly, he should have come in and been on fire. He should have had his wheels going, uh, be engaged on plays, and say. Hey, I get it. You fell in love with a lot of players last year and there's a bunch of people coming in and tases back and all this stuff. Try and ignore me. That's what Hagel did. I mean, that's what Hagel continues to do. You can't ignore him. Uh, If you took Brandon Hagel's motor and like drive and energy and put it in Nylander, you would have an all-star. Yeah, you would. You would have a certified top six player. You would easy. I think that's what... I think that Nylander frustrates me because of his potential and because I never see him trying to tap into that. And this is, and that's terrible because I don't know him. I, I don't know what's going on in his brain. And I always try to remember, like, I have no idea. Maybe he is, maybe he is trying, but even then, if that's him trying, he's not keeping up. It's frustrating because like you don't want to give up on players early. I never but... want to give up on players. I I'm probably really guilty of hanging on too long usually. But I don't know. I just I feel like he doesn't really have a spot on this roster moving forward. Like I think no. you'd have a hard time justifying, like you said, taking anyone else from this team and saying, We're getting rid of them to make room for Nylander. Like I, I'm looking at our cap friendly and there is there's not a single person. I've already decided that Lucas Reichel's got to start the year in Rockford. Like there's no one on this team out of the top 14 forwards that we have that I would want Nylander over. I mean, so Chicago is, like I said, you guys are an interesting spot because you have a lot of players fighting for spots this year. Yeah. I know we still have a couple of preseason games left, but if you were going to sit down and say, okay, based on what I've seen so far, this is the roster that I'm putting together. What does your roster look like? I mean, like I know well, we've got next week, right? But realistically, we're already making these decisions because you want to shape up ideally your roster next week to get right. some reps in with everyone. Because by next week, you've got to have that roster set. That way you can really start full team practices for the NHL season. I think that my roster is for forwards, Kane, Taze, Debrinket, Tyler Johnson, Kubalik, Brandon Hagel, Ryan Carpenter, Henrik Borgstrom, Adam Gaudet, Jujar Kara, uh, Kirby Doc, and Philip Kurashev. Okay. And that's 12. I think Mike Hardman is our 13th forward. I like Entwizel a lot though. I might, I think Entwizel might have to start the year in Rock. If it's between Entwizel or Kurashev starting the year in Rockford, I I have to give it to Kurashev or I have to give it to Entwizel to start in Rockford. What leads me to my big question mark is one of my favorite players Dylan Strom. I, I want Strom on this team, but realistically, I don't know where he goes anymore. I think that Philip Kurashev 
I think if Philip Kurashev starts in Rockford, it's because Strom is still on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you're not going to put Strom on waivers. Somebody will claim him and you're going to lose him for nothing. Uh, I still like what he brings to the table, but that said with guys like Henrik Borgstrom and Gaudet, like those guys play a good game and they should be there. Uh, I like Jujar Kara and everything he brings to the table. I'm a huge fan. I'm glad he's on the team. He'll be a great fourth liner. Uh, the literally the only I would like Entwizel up there, but yeah, I, I would say that's my that's my forward breakdown from what I see now. And the only reason you put Hardman Hardman could easily be in Rockford, but I think he plays a great game for being a thirteenth forward. And somebody that you can swap in if you're playing a physical team. Because uh, you need that. You need mm-hmm. to have that guy that you're like, back in the day when we would be playing Anaheim. It's like, okay, we're, pl- we're playing the Ducks. Like, we're going to have to put in somebody that can just be a wrecking ball. But he's a smart wrecking ball. He's, he's not out of position when he's making hits. He's playing a gritty, demanding game. But he's in the right position he's making proper plays that's the kind of like bruiser that you want on your team so the defense i think for you guys is a lot more cemented at this point yeah defense is a lot easier obviously we like connor murphy is a given connor murphy's a given just signed what was it a four-year 4.4 million dollar contract with the club so he's obviously not going anywhere um, you have Seth Jones, obviously, the other big free agent signing you guys had this year. Obviously, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. McCa- Jake McCabe's not going anywhere. Uh, frankly, I have been very... Uh, Dahan right now is yep, not going Kelvin anywhere. Dehan's right now. That said, uh, I originally expected it to be Wyatt Kalanick, Riley Stillman, and Caleb Jones as the seventh defenseman. Uh, I think it's actually going to be... Caleb Jones and Wyatt Kalnick as that third pairing and Riley Stillman as the seventh defenseman. Caleb Jones has had a really strong preseason. I have been incredibly impressed with his play both away and with the puck. Uh, He's looked comfortable. He's been making smart plays. Uh, I have been very impressed with him when it comes to an, a well-rounded two-way game. Uh, which is really, I don't know. He wasn't really someone that we talked a lot about because he was sort of, okay, we got rid of Keith and we got back a second round pick and uh, Caleb Jones. Great. We're getting Caleb Jones to get Seth Jones. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm excited to see what Caleb Jones can do, uh, especially in like a third, you know, third line role. And I don't see, I think, and I've talked about this several times, Ian Mitchell and uh, Bodan start in Rockford that it's the smart move. Uh, And Mitchell's actually like, Hey, if I start in Rockford, I don't look at that as a negative, like, great. I'm going to have all, you know, top minutes. I'm going to be in all situations. Like, let's go. I'm going to get better at this. Uh, I think Jacob Galvis has had a really good preseason. I think he's someone that could earn a cup of coffee up in the show this year. Uh, I would say that our second line in Rockford is Galvis and Alex Regula. And then you've got Isaac Phillips and Chad Chris. Like that's, I think Rockford looks stupid good this year. Uh, I think we've got a really solid uh, AHL team, but yeah, I I think the top four defensemen are locked in, you know, uh, Seth Jones, McCabe, Murphy, Dahan, and then Wyatt Kalnick's been, anchoring the second power play. So he's pretty much a lock there. And then a rotating of Caleb Jones and Riley Stillman. This is the best defense that we've seen since 2015, the 2015 cup run. And honestly, we only had four real defensemen in the 2015 cup run. Like this might actually be one of the best defenses we've had in a long time. If Seth Jones can live up to the hype. And that's what I want to ask you about so far. What are your opinions on Seth Jones? Because we finally seen him in a Hawks sweater. I thought he looked a lot better tonight. Uh, I was uh, not impressed with his first game. That said, it's your first game playing with a new team. He's played with Columbus his entire, like 
yeah, that's going to be weird. And there's going to be communication quest issues and things like that. Today, he looked a lot more comfortable. There's still some miscues. There was a miscommunication. Uh, One play that I'm specifically thinking of was it was, you know, there were two guys and Jones and McCabe both went to the same guy and let the other guy through. And that's just a pure miscommunication and misunderstanding that we've got to tighten up. I would, but of actual play wise, he looked a lot more comfortable tonight. So I feel a lot better about that. Goaltending is it's given it's Lankinen and flurry. Like, yeah. And I love Lankinen's attitude, you know, cause they asked like, Hey, how do you feel about them bringing in flurry? Do you take, he's like, He's like, are you kidding me? Marc-Andre Fleury is one of the best of all time. And they're like, so you're cool with being the backup? He goes, oh, no, I'm going to try and be the starter. I'm going to fight to be the starter. To be the best, you have to beat the best. And mm-hmm. like, he's basically like, Marc-Andre Fleury would be annoyed if I wasn't trying to, like, be, where's my fire? Like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, he's in such a good mental place. He's going to learn so much from Fleury. Uh, Fleury is one of my all-time favorite goaltenders besides Henrik Lundqvist. So like, I'm ecstatic that Fleury's on the team. He looked phenomenal. He's looked phenomenal so far. You shake off a little rust that first game he was in. It was like Jones, rusty, the new team. I was like, eh, what are you going to do this game, this game? And I'm sure Jordan, you can speak to this. He made some stupid saves. That like, save on Suter was dumb. <laughs> that and the Fabry one, like Fabry one, like, the guy has been unreal. Like, yeah, he was like even like people are like, well, he let him four goals tonight. Two of those, he had th- that first cider goal. There was no way on earth he was completely screened by both a wings player and Dahan, and cider just sent a rocket. And if you can't see it, what are you gonna do? Nothing like, you can do. And there was another one where it was just a flute, like, oh God, there it goes. It's in like the Raymond goal. Yeah. The Raymond goal is exactly the one. Like, yeah. No. Like, I didn't think he looked like, out of, like, I don't want to say out of place, but like, he didn't look like he was slow on the draw. Like he exactly. very much was able to slide fast. It was still like good reflexes, good reads. Physically, he was in great shape. Uh, I t- like he was tracking the puck well. It was obvious. Uh, what are you gonna again? A lot of those goals, it was just sort. Of, correct me if I'm wrong. Did we give up all four of our goals on the power play? So you gave up, I think, two or three of them on the power play. You guys had the even strength one. That was what was it? No, the Raymond wasn't wasn't the short. It wasn't the strong one. Cider was a strong power play, one. Power play, power. All four of your goals were power plays. Were all four of them? Yep. I'm looking at it right now. The Bobby Ryan, the Mort Cider, the Fabry, the Lucas Raymond, all power play. How do you like that? All right. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, at least our power play is good. I know. I know what we're working on in practice tomorrow. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, that's atrocious. Uh, but when you give up them all on the power play, like his five on five play, like great. That that's that that's saying something at least I guess we should stay out of the box. <laughs> that's there were stupid. a lot of penalties called tonight. Did you notice that? Oh, I did. No, because it was left and right for both teams. Uh, that Tyler Johnson power play goal. I like. I think both of us have a both our teams have a revamped power play this year that involves a lot more movement. And Tyler Johnson in that middle slot is, I think that he's gonna chip in a couple goals this year just being in the right place. Um, I'm trying to think if you guys had any other major news this week, I can't think of anything in particular. A lot of like the articles that I've been reading have all been more human pieces. Uh, Jake McCabe, you know, finally happy to be living in and working in Chicago full time. And Calvin DeHaan, the fact that he played on a broken leg most of last year uh, and the fact that he had his wedding the same night as the NHL draft and was like terrified that he was going to end up traded uh, (laughs) or like sent to Seattle in the coming days. So like we're at that point of the year where there's not a lot to write. There's not a lot going on. Uh, We're not wouldn't surprise me if in a week or two we see a couple more trades happen. 
just because you see guys that, you know, God, we got to free up a roster spot because so-and-so has made it. We can't argue with it. So we got to trade this person. Uh, but other than that, it's just figuring out who we've got now. Uh, Cause this is the most intense competition that we have seen in that since the actual dynasty years, like this is phenomenal. Like, honestly, I think this is the most competition that the Hawks roster has had on it since 2016. Oh, easy. Absolutely. Like, Because uh, it could go, there's a lot, I'm looking at these combinations and I'm like, there's a lot of people that could be in this. Uh, realistically, it's not like somebody could like sneak in. It's all, we've probably got about 16 forwards that deserve to be in the NHL at one point or another. And that includes Nylander, who's potential deserves to be there uh but there's only 12 spots in a 13th forward and you don't want a young guy being that 13th forward you'd rather mm-hmm. they're in rockford playing yeah uh i'm so curious to see how this shakes out i know i'm gonna be mad i know i'm gonna because somebody that i like is gonna not make it or get traded uh oh i will say connor murphy wore the a tonight uh, so I think that establishes what happened last year with Debrinket wearing the A at home and Murphy wearing the A away. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I'm, it rewards both of the people who have a strong presence, like in the room and their voices. I have no issues with that. Okay. Um, speaking of players with potential, I kind of want to shift it to Wingstock for a second. I, I think cause... that's fair. I kind of want to talk about some of the people you've got over there. Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider. Oh boy. Stupid. Stupid. Raymond's not slowing down. No. And <laughs> like going into the preseason. So he comes off of a sweet off of a season in the Swedish hockey league, which yep. was respectable, but not stellar. And he comes into the NHL preseason and looks absolutely right in place with everybody else in the top six. Yeah. I don't know what was going on over in Frolunda, why they were not giving him better minutes, but I tell you what, he literally looks, he looks right in place with Dylan Larkin and Philip Sedina on the top line. His game might benefit from the smaller ice. Like his passing tonight was so, so good. He was all over like most of the big plays and anything that happened, like there's Raymond involved in it. Uh, it was to me, Raymond stood out a lot. Uh, Hronik and cider were massive. I heard Letty's name a lot, mm-hmm. uh, which was cool. Uh, Bobby Ryan was in the mix for a lot of things. That's a guy that knows he's on a PTO and knows that like, again, it's the opposite of Nylander. He knows that his spot's not a given and he's working for it. But Raymond Raymond is making it very difficult. And I'm one of the people who said he started, he should start in Grand Rapids. Uh, I was not super high on him, arguably because I just don't, don't know a lot about him. Uh, but yeah, he's right now, his play, not just tonight, but through the preseason has shown that he deserves to be on this roster. And like, this isn't a knock on Philip Zadina by any means because mm-hmm. I love the kid, but Lucas Raymond looks like he might be the player who a lot of Wings fans were expecting Philip Zadina to be. And again, it's not a knock on Philip no. Zadina because I think Zadina is a better defensive player right now than Raymond is. Just if you watch Zadina's play, I think Zadina has a more of a two-way game, whereas Raymond is leaning more towards like the scoring game right now yeah. until he's required to play a harder two-way game. But that line, like the Larkin, Raymond, Zadina line, they looked great tonight. My concern with a Larkin, Zadina, Raymond line is the same concern I have with a Kane to bring it Tyler Johnson line. Where's your, where's your, where's your strength? Where's your, where's your big body? Where's your presence? Uh, and that said, Zadina might be that guy like Zadina has become a very well-rounded player. And I think you're right. I think that a lot of Red Wings fans saw Zadina as being this massive goal scorer, but what you've gotten is an incredibly well-rounded player who I think is going to be on your first line for a long time. Uh, 
if you can have Raymond be that goal scorer and Larkin being able to set him up for that, like you've got a solid line there. And that, that allows Vrana to be on the second line uh, and Bertuzzi while he's with the team uh, to be on that second line. And you've got, now you've got options because you've got Suter and Fabry, you know, put, if you're putting Fabry on that second line is that second line center, which it seems that they're still putting him on. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Suter can go to the third line and, and now you've got depth. <laughs> that's so Fabry's out for four months because of the injury. And I, it's going to suck because I really think that if he would have slotted in, in like, Raymond spot you could have put Raymond on the second line with a guy like Suter or Fabry gave him just a little bit less pressure against top end competition now granted he won't have the side of guy in Larkin that he has but I really think that Raymond like I'm thinking he's going to make a very good very good player right just jumping into the roster I think at this point he's by all means making the Red Wings there's no reason he doesn't in my opinion who who's out then so, Verana's out for the four months on the injury, obviously. Oh, okay, Verana. That's right. But so, you've still got Suter and Fabry as options as your second line centerman. You've got Michael Rasmussen probably playing third line center, if we're being honest here. Yeah, I think Rasmussen at third line center makes a ton of sense. Like, the wings finally have options at four where this is, it's been such this a long new. time <laughs> since they've had options. We, me and David have talked about this for the past two years. We have been waiting and waiting and waiting for all of these bloated contracts to come off the books from when Ken Holland was a general manager. And this is what we finally have. And it's looking good. Like, my question is your third line right now, you've got Nemesnikov, you've got Adam Ernie, you've got Valeno, and then you've got Michael Rasmussen. You've got, you know, whoever, however, the, whoever doesn't make it in the top six going down to the third line. That's a log jam there. Yeah. Cause I don't see like Rasmussen could play fourth line center. I think that he'd be kind of wasted there at this point, but I think he could thrive in that role. Uh, but what do you, we talked about this a little bit texting during the, uh, during the game. What are your thoughts on uh, Valeno? I think Valeno needs another season in Grand Rapids. If I'm being honest, like it's going to kill him. Uh, per- like personally, I, I feel. I want to see him make the NHL and I think he's almost there, but there were a couple plays tonight where like I watched him abandon pucks or where it seemed like he was just sort of like giving up on the boards. And I get a player can't go a hundred percent all the time, but, but you can in the middle of like chasing a puck or in the middle of like a puck battle is not the time. That's not the time to say no. Exactly. Like there's plenty of times where you can cheat, you can take a, you know, take a shift or something like that. You can like coast for a second or two not in pursuit of a puck. <laughs> and I don't know, like maybe he just top line minutes in Grand Rapids is what's going to serve him best this season. I just, I, I don't only, know if he's ready for third line center. Like it's tough. It, Cause he was only a minus one tonight with four shots on goal. I mean, in a night where, you know, it was six to four, only being minus one isn't a bad thing. No, it's uh, not. He won more face. He won, well, six face-offs, lost five. But that's still, you know. It's still a positive one. Exactly. Uh, but you're right. I didn't, all the guys that I was seeing engage, all the guys that were constantly, their names were coming out when there were plays around the net. It was never Valeno. I I would be I would be nervous because Adam Ernie has certainly cemented his role on your team in my mind mm-hmm. uh, just from watching him play previously. Uh, Nemesnikov is an established, legitimate NHL player, and I think he's a great acquisition for your team uh, or great addition to your team at this point. I mean, what, 
I don't know. I'd rather have Bobby Ryan on your club than and have Valeno as your first line center in Grand Rapids. But I don't know if I'm. That's tough because how old is Valeno now? He's uh, the same age as Zadina. They're both twenty-one, I think. Well, they're going to oh. be turning twenty-one this year. Oh my gosh! Then you know, let him cook for another year. I thought I, I in my head was like he's twenty-three. I have him like the same age as like Strom. Uh, no, which he's is, got time. He's got plenty of time. Yeah, he's just not ready. And Jeff Blashill, like as much as I really hate the blender system that he like he <laughs> tends to implement. I did like his comments that he made in one of his uh, his like media discussions this week. He said, if a player is going to be on this roster, I want them here because they make our team better. Yeah. And I don't know if Joe Valeno makes the Red Wings better this season. I'm looking at your roster and I don't see anyone that I'd want because I don't want him in a fourth line role. Because he doesn't fit it. The kind no, of like Strom, it, he does it, not fit the fourth exactly. line. Exactly. You know, and that's where if you're a Hagel or you're a Michael Rasmussen, you're going to have a spot because, hey, you need me on the fourth line? Fine. I'll do fourth line and I'll rock it. Uh, I'm going to pose the same question to you that you posed to me. What's your, what's your forwards for opening night? Who do you think at this point? Because I'm looking at your roster and it's hard to see who you're leaving out. So first line is I'm going to say it's Larkin. It's Bertuzzi and Zadina. Yeah. I just, I don't think Raymond's ready for first line minutes in the NHL. Not really. Yeah. No, that would be throwing him in. Mm -hmm. Second line. I could see Raymond. I could see either Pia Suter or Robbie Fabry. And then on the other wing, Robbie Fabry or Pia Suter, basically they enter switch whoever they decide to roll with. On the third line, you've got Michael Rasmussen, Vladislav Nemesnikov, and uh, Sam Gagne. Gagne on the okay. And then fourth line, you've got Giovanni Smith, Adam Ernie, and then uh, who's this? I don't know they picked up. Um, that Mitch, uh, Mitchell, yeah, Stephens. Mitchell Stevens. Yep. So, like, I, I feel like that's what you roll with at your forward group. Like, I feel like that's pretty fair. It's meritocracy. Yeah. It's. It's the best you're going to put it together with this group that they have right now. I, I certainly wouldn't complain about that. Uh, and who's your third, like Carter, Carter Roney. Would that be your third 13th forward or. Yeah, I could see Roney as the 13th forward. I just, I don't think the carry Valeno is the 13th forward because no, I want him in Grand Rapids cooking that's still. The opposite of what would support his growth. Um, uh, what about Taro Hiroshi? Yeah, he could be 13. Actually, no, I think Hiroshi is a better 13th forward okay. because Hiroshi's had AHL reps for two seasons. And he's 25. Like, like it's kind of make or break for him at this he's point. He's where he's at. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, that, that was curious about that. Your, your defense is curious. You also have had, you're also like getting to the point where you've got one of the best defenses that you've had in a couple of years. Yeah. And like, so tonight, Moritz Sider, I think was probably one of the best defensemen on the Red Wings. Like him and Heronic were, I think the best two tonight. Agreed. And I think it was kind of funny because Moritz Sider, like he had a miscue with Letty, but the, the miscue wasn't on Sider. It was on Letty. Yeah. Like, I, I, I watched that. <laughs> so you saw it where like he was sitting at the blue line and like he back passed it and Letty wasn't ready for it. And it's, like, it's a shame because it was a smart play and it was a good, like if Re- if Letty had been ready for it, he would have been, that would have been a great play we'd be talking about right now. But so if I'm looking at like, you know, the season for the pairs for the, the defense group, obviously I think Heronic and DeKaiser is the top pair. I don't like DeKaiser on the top pair, but I think Heronic needs somebody who can help him cover defensively. Yeah. And DeKaiser's not bad there like he's not bad like i've said it for a while danny de kaiser is the victim of a bad contract in a cap world yep that's my only knock on the guy and that's how, and we've talked about this that we're I'm, I'm certainly trying to shy away from that uh and try and separate the contract from like is he going to be the right person on in this role uh because it's not fair to the player. I, De Kaiser, I think, is a smart move with Heronic. Just looking at who you've got, unless you want Troy Stetcher playing his off 
hand because I don't want Hronik playing his offside, like De Kaiser makes sense. Uh, second pair, it's it's got to be Cider and Letty. Easy. They specifically brought Letty in to be an offensive punch, and they also brought him in to help more at Cider. That's the given. Also, it's more at Cider's first NHL season. You're not throwing him on the top line unless he just is Norris caliber this season, which I think will be good, but he's not that good yet. Yeah, listen, I, I don't even know if he'll necessarily be in the Calder convert. Like, he'll be in the conversation, but I don't think he'll be top three for Calder unless he has a blowout year which and, he's not an offensive defenseman so he no. probably won't <laughs> and like it's a shame because the calder it sucks that it seems like it's always a points race it is it, which is irritating because that is not not always the best player but it's a points league right now yeah uh, don't get me started on that i'm all i'll be all fired up uh ho- hopefully the uh the radke brothers change that in the future <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I like the Letty, uh, the Letty cider combination. So what's your third pairing stall and stature? I, mean, I feel like it's gotta be like, so unless you put Jordan Osterley there. I think Osterley is going to be a seventh defenseman who rotates with stall. Basically like Stetcher's underlying numbers were actually really surprisingly good yeah. last season. I mean, Max Boltman did a fantastic write up on him. The season basically breaking down like, hey, this guy is not a flashy player, but his underlying stats are very good. I mean, Stahl is on contract this year. I don't like he's he's on a cheap, which is also another thing that kind of I think makes him an Osterly, like basically interlocking guys for that seventh defenseman role. Osterly and Stahl, I don't think either one of them really moves the needle for this club, but just it's an added somebody there. Yeah. Now, did you have Bobby Ryan in your top 12? So Bobby Ryan's conditional for me. Like if he makes a PTO, which I've got to assume he does, right? I mean, if there's a spot for him, I want him to. So the 12th that I put, I didn't put Bobby Ryan there just because he's not under contract right now. If Bobby Ryan is signed, who goes? That's a hard one. <laughs> it's a terrible one. Yeah. And it's one that I'm like really curious. Does Gagne sit out as your 13th forward? I feel like if Ryan makes the club, then yeah, it's either got to be Sam Gagne or Giovanni Smith. But realistically, I think it's Sam Gagne because I think Giovanni Smith has more. He's got it's more a, of a chance to be here long term. Well, I mean, it's a difference between a guy who's 23 and a guy who's 32. Yeah. Uh, and- you got to have Sam Gagne sit out. Uh, but that's the only person if Valeno's already down. I, I, I don't, that's a tough one. And then like the wings have the conundrum of what are they going to do when Jacob Verana comes back in four months? Like, yeah. Welcome to the hell that we're in right now. Like <laughs> figuring out where all these pieces fit. Like luckily goaltending is, is figured out. It's Nadaljevic and it's Christ. Like Easy. there's nobody else. Who's your, I mean, I guess I would assume Ned is your starting goalie, but has Grice earned that title for now? I feel like Grice has got to be given it just based on seniority, right? Like the guy's got more NHL reps. He's got more of like a showcase of body of work to like show everybody, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ned takes it over this season. Like Grice has been okay this preseason, but he hasn't been, he hasn't been definitive starter caliber good. And that said, they're roughly like Ned's a three mil contract. Grice is a 3.6. Mm-hmm. It's not like Florida where Spencer Knight really should be the number one. And Bobrovsky's on a 10.5 mil contract. And you're like, well, no, that's our guy, I guess. Like, here we are. Uh, that's going to be a fun goalie duel uh, for you guys this year. Because for us, it's easy. It's obviously flurry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for you, you've got a, a Calder nominee as a goalie versus a guy who's been a consistent but never an all-star goalie. And that's the thing, with, which it's kind of hard for the Wings. It's they don't have a definitive starting goaltender going into the season. Like- I think that'll prove it. I think that'll take it. If he's... If he has a similar season to what he did last year, I think there's no question. 
Grice has always been a stable, consistent goalie. He's not going to lose you games, but he's not the kind of guy that's going to steal you a win, at least consistently. Uh, Ned, I think, can. That's what I'm hoping for. Like, I I'm mean, right. That's why they Ned brought him takes in. That. Yeah. There is one thing uh, or one thing I do want to touch on really quick with uh, Wings fans really quick. Like I, so Bertuzzi hasn't played, I think it's the past two or three games in the preseason so far. I want to just crush rumors right now. This does not mean that Tyler Bertuzzi is being traded. Jeff Blash literally, literally came out a couple days ago and said that one of the games was a rest day. Just because Tyler Bertuzzi was not playing tonight does not mean the guy's getting traded. I've seen that rumor floating around on Reddit, on Twitter. It- oh, yeah, because it's the natural rumor that's going to be going around. Like, listen, Nick and I have both t- <laughs> have both discussed, oh, he's done, he's traded. <laughs> but, but we've been saying that long before. Do I think at some point he's moved? Yeah. Do I think it's because he's a bad player, though? No. Oh, God, no. He's still a phenomenal player. Like, he's still going to net you 20, 25 a season. I just don't know if he's on again, take the vaccination stuff out of it completely and purely a, you know, putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Who do you take out to put him back in? You know, like if is going to be coming back, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm putting this roster together is Bertuzzi. Can you get more for Bertuzzi than he is, you know, you can replace theoretically. I don't know. That's a tough one. And it is because I mean, you guys like, you know, it from Chicago, like you guys had players before 2010 who you really liked and who had been there for a minute. And that should have, you know, we just couldn't keep them. (laughs) That's it. You can't keep everybody with you. Like I love Strom, but I don't know where Strom goes. And that's the thing we kind of have with Bertuzzi. Like, is he going to be here when the club's contending again? Is he going to be able to so. meaningfully contribute when the club's contending again? I don't think so. Not- I mean, I don't think he'll be here. I don't know if he would be. I, I think that he's still, I don't know, his style of play. Well, I mean, he's only 26. It's not like he's, you know, 28, 29. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. I think he's worth more to you being traded. Cause there's teams that he's that piece mm-hmm. that they're missing. Like, you know, I hate to say it, but the Toronto Maple Leafs, I actually think he fits really well there. He, like he gives exactly, them something they don't have. Especially with them losing Zach Hyman. Mm-hmm. Like I think that Bertuzzi would be great there. I think Bertuzzi would be good on Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, Frankly, I think he'd be good on the Montreal. It's funny. Most of the teams that I think that like he'd be good on right now are Canadian teams. And that said, if he's on a Canadian team, then forget it. He's not going to play in like 20 of the games a year, at least. Uh, <laughs> so I, if I was a Canadian team, I wouldn't trade for him. Like just from a doubt just from that perspective, but he could be good on I feel like I just want to send everybody to Carolina when I don't know where else to put them. <laughs> it's the know, land of leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Just I, I kind of want to talk about or talk about that for a second because yeah, I had seen that it. floating around on Reddit and Twitter. If that's the bar that we're using to determine who's mm-hmm. getting traded as we haven't seen them in two or three days on like a team, then you start better start talking about that. Uh, start talking about that with everybody and i mean they are on the hawks yeah (laughs) i mean actually i jordan i don't know how to tell you this i think that most like reddit threads are doing that for their team oh so and so hasn't played in two games and he was on the b squad today like he's gone ship him out like We read into everything. It's the preseason. What else are we going to do? I mean, that's try and like <laughs> divine the tea leaves. Uh, like if somebody, you know, oh my goodness, they lost his luggage. They forgot it when they, you know, went to this. Oh, he's done. You know, remember Taylor Hall's like bag in the hallway I scenario? Remember 
we will read into anything to get some sort of information or drama going because we're bored right now. <laughs> um, one other piece of Wings news that I want to talk about. We talked about this just a second ago. The Wings went four, four goals on the power play tonight, That's but it wasn't stupid. even just tonight. Like this whole preseason, their power play has looked much better than last year rotating players and not like rotating like the players on the ice, but like rotating where those players are moving on the ice. That makes power plays infinitely better. It makes you less predictable. It makes so your opponents having to constantly reread plays. I like, I like the way that our power play has been changed. I mean, you have to, right? It was a joke last year to say that it was an improvement is an understatement. The joke last year was that if we wanted to take a breather, we should take a penalty because your power play is not going to do anything to us. Uh, I think one of the games that we played, like we racked up like six or seven penalties and you did not score on any of them. Uh, To say that this is an improvement, again, it's the preseason, but there are certain things that translate from preseason to the regular season. And it's, you're right. It's the movement on the ice. Nothing is getting stagnant. It's not predictable. There's a lot of guys that know their role. And part of that comes with maybe a little more comfort. Maybe Hironic's got a year more under his belt and he's a little more comfortable. Uh, You've got guys that know their role and know what they can get away with on the ice. That says a lot more than maybe some more inexperienced teams, but the actual movement and the game plans that you're seeing when your power plays out there. I noticed it tonight. You were always, you always had somebody at the net, if not two people by the net at all times, you were taking shots from different areas. You were screening, you were getting rebounds like, and you were keeping it in. I I was very impressed by how your cycling kept play alive and kept uh, it wasn't just cycling with the sense of, everyone's passing it back and forth, but there's no shot. It's keeping the, uh, you know, keeping the aggression going. Uh, I was very impressed. I hated it because again, all of your goals were on the power play tonight. That ticks me off. Uh, But it looked phenomenal. Like that's the thing, like you brought up the cycling. It's not just cycling perimeters to keep the puck moving. It's cycling the puck and waiting for those players to get ready to be in the right spots. Like, the cider goal is a great example of this. <sighs> like they just cycled, waited for the goaltender to get screened. Cider gets given the puck. Oops, it's gone. And it was, it was a double screen. Cause you had your guy there. You had Dahan between your guy and flurry. So he was double screened and cider had a beautiful clear line because guys were, you know, responsible for everyone else. There was this, you know, B line Insider with his shot is going to send it like, and if you can't see that, you're not stopping it. it. It was a, that was a phenomenal textbook example of like a good power play. Um, I feel like those were the only pieces of wings news, or I guess like discussion topics that I want to talk about. Just, I thought they were worth touching because of the yeah. fact that last year, the wings power play was so awful. And again, the Hawks haven't had a good power play I would say like since the die, but we didn't have a good power play in the dynasty years either. We just had a phenomenal five on fly five and a phenomenal penalty kill. We did not have a good power play. Uh, that said, we're doing the same thing that you are. Our power play has a lot more movement this year and I'm sure you can attest to it. I mean, one of our goals, I think, in fact, I know one of our goals is on the power play tonight. Uh, but you've guys that you've got a lot more movement. You've got a lot more sense of urgency You've got a lot more chances being created. Uh, I think both of us have a revamped power play this year. You yours just capitalized it on a lot more tonight. Like that's the thing. Like you know, having a guy like Taves back who can pair with a guy like Kane or like Debrinket. Like Debrinket's goal was the empty netter one at the end of the game, but just when you have two people who can both be threats on both sides of the net on a power play, that matters. Yeah. Having guys who can properly cycle to threats matters. Having threats that move matters. 
having a guy like uh, Tyler Johnson in the bumper slot is a big win when you can put someone like him there and allow Kane and Taze and Debrinkit and Jones to do their thing and cycle the puck. And he's in that position almost as like the switch guy just letting in like, okay, if a puck's coming, what am I going to do? Uh, we've got a really complete system right now. And if we keep with it, I'm very excited where that could go. I mean, like that's the thing, like both, both the wings and the Hawks have a lot of options on the power play this season. Yeah. And that's not something we're used to. <laughs> no. Um, I feel like that's everything that I have on the news uh, yeah. for this week. Um, the league's still kind of quiet for the most part. Just the preseason's going on. You're waiting for that to be done before the regular season starts. I mean, I can't really think of anything major to talk about. No, uh, I mean, I'd love to talk about like Robin Leonard bringing a fire, like a blowtorch to the NHL on Twitter uh, and what he covered with like Jack Eichel surgery and how a lot of NHL teams and NHL doctors have just thrown pills at people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, I would like to score away more time for that. I'd love to have like Nick and David here to get like a full panels conversation on it. And this isn't going away. So we'll be able to cover that a little bit more in the future. But uh, if you haven't go to Twitter, check out Robin Laner's Twitter thread on what he's been bringing up. And again, it's all, it's all alleged in the sense of like, it is one person tweeting it, you know, it's not corroborated by anything that said, it is fascinating insight and fascinating information into different NHL clubs and sort of how they've handled players injuries, showing that Jack Eichel is not a one-off oddity uh, Mm -hmm. and how they basically, the NHL has to be better about it. Uh, super interesting. Uh, it's there on Twitter. There's no paywall. Uh, it's Twitter. Go check it out. I recommend it. Robin Laner's Twitter handle. That's all I'll say on it for right now. But yeah, that's, that is an interesting one. I forgot to bring that up before. It's fascinating, uh, what he goes into. And I'm so excited to see, cause it's so the, the whole reason that this is, you know, anything more than just like an interesting story is the fact that he's an active NHL player, like lighting the NHL on fire. Mm-hmm. We've seen it with plenty of retired NHL players, but in a league where you don't make waves, Robin Lehner, who is no stranger to uh, voicing his opinion, which I love about him, uh, he's, t- he's swinging. He's, he's swinging for the fences right now. And it's a big risk to him, despite his uh, caliber and talent. And he's doing what he thinks is right. And like, I don't know, that's something I'm excited to watch and see how this goes. Uh, it's certainly going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, but like I said, that's it for the show tonight. Um, unfortunately, there's not a ton of news to talk about, but we're going to have news here soon next week. Yes, sir. Um, just the season starts next week. Um. Just a reminder for everybody, if you haven't tuned into or haven't caught our interview with the Radke brothers, please check that out. It was fun having them on. We'd look to have them on in the future. Um, Just, again, really different style of analytics that those guys are working with. It's really cool. I really do think it's the future future of analytics. It's, I think, where the sport is going long-term. And it's kind of cool to talk to somebody who kind of has their foot in the door before it's going to kick off. Um, also, another fun piece of news. Uh, we're going to be having Max Boltman of The Athletic on the show next week. Um, we're going to have an interview with him. We're going to basically talk about all things Red Wings and Hawks moving into the season. Just sort of maybe get his predictions on who's making this roster. What we're going to be looking at is like realistic expectations for the season moving forward from both clubs and just sort of his feel on what's going on in the NHL this season, because it's kind of a different one. It's the full season this year. It's, it's not the short condensed season this time around. It's It's, it's a full, we are back to a full NHL season for the first time in Two years? Well, this about is the two years. Three years. Yeah. 
about like a year and a half, but almost two years by the time you factor in. I love it. But we're going to be talking to him next week. Um, If you have any sort of like questions or anything like that you want us to ask him, feel free to get in touch with us. Or if you have any questions you want us to answer on the show or feedback or stuff like that, there are ample ways to get in touch with the podcast. You can find us on Twitter at StickBladePod. You can find us on SoundCloud, um, soundcloud.com slash podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts. We are uh, on Google. You can just uh, what is it? You type in Stickblade Podcast on YouTube. We'll be on there. Yeah. You can email us stickbladepodcast at gmail.com. There are ample ways to get in touch with us on um, Facebook, even. You can find us on Facebook. Whatever your social media currency of choice is, we're probably on there. So feel free to give us a like, follow, share, retweet, whatever the currency is of choice. We really appreciate it at the end of the day because this is a fan cast. There's no corporate sponsors. There's nobody telling us what we can and cannot say. So you get a lot of the hot, spicy takes. All of them. But yeah, that's going to be it for our show tonight. Um, like I said, for your host, Jordan Linscott, and for my co-host, Tim Sampanato, this has been another edition of the Stick Blade Podcast. You all take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Stay safe. In the meantime, let's get ready for that hockey because it's back next week. Regular season.